Now we're getting to the bottom of everything. It's time for Mother Angelica. I mean, that's awesome. Answering the call. Answering the call. This world is no place for Catholic chickens. Answering the call. You call that a failure? I call it a great success. Here's Father Joseph and Doug Keck. Hi, I'm Doug Keck, and I'm joined once again by my co-host, Father Joseph Mary Wolf, for another edition of Mother Angelica Answering the Call, the program that features the best of Mother's live show questions from viewers over the years and our powerful and insightful responses. Always great to be with you, Father, for another program. And with you too, Doug, and this year we're celebrating the centenary of Mother's birth, which was April 20th, but we're also having this wonderful EWTN family celebration in Birmingham for the first time in seven years. And it's also the time of the Eucharistic revival, right? So we really would encourage people to come as part of that Eucharistic revival. So the theme is going to be, I am the bread of life. And you'll have the opportunity to visit the Shrine of the Blessed Sacrament here at EWTN. We'll have special tours and things going on and just Spanish and English tracks going on at the family celebration. So y'all come. Absolutely, and 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 that's uh, the hundred years is not the only anniversary. We also had uh, back in uh, June. You had your own anniversary, didn't you? <laughs> yes, thirty years ago, I was ordained to the priesthood, and uh, wow, it's been quite a, a interesting priesthood. A wonderful, and just uh, to be part of this work and to see the network grow and to have an impact on so many people, I'm just grateful to God for that. Absolutely, we're grateful to Mother for starting everything. Let's talk about the topic she took on, the church's approval process for apparitions. Always a question. There is no holy quartet. When it (laughs) comes to charismatic gifts, look for humility. Very interesting. Mm -hmm. And being a Eucharistic minister uh, or extraordinary minister of the Eucharist, uh, and Mother responded to that. Go ahead. Yeah, and I think she answered this so very well, you know, that, yeah, there are up, uh, uh, situations, and I'm a priest to celebrate Mass in a parish a number of times, and some of those parishes are really big. And if I was the only one distributing communion at those Masses, it would take, you know, half an hour maybe. Mm-hmm. So there is a place for ministers of Holy Communion, as we refer to them now. But Mother points out, but let them be dressed in a way that signifies they know what they're doing. And, and I think that's true just of people who come to Mass generally. Mm-hmm. That was an important point that Mother wanted them to uh, be modest. Right. People used to say if, if the president was going to be there, mm-hmm. wouldn't you get dressed up Yeah, to go and, meet him? And that's why if you go to St. Peter's Basilica in Rome, they have signs up. You have to be properly dressed, and they actually have ushers that will enforce that and a mother had the signs up at the shrine as we do here at EWTN because he's the Lord. Right, absolutely. And it's interesting. Mother has some interesting takes on what Eucharistic ministers should dress like. Let's hear what she has to say. We have a call. Hello? Hi, Mother. And where are you from? Uh, Frankfurt. Wonderful. And what is your question? Well, I got asked by my priest to be a Eucharistic minister Mm -hmm. and I'm kind of a little scared about getting up in front of all those people, and I kind of have nightmares about it, and I know it's a beautiful thing, and I'm very honored to be asked, but I was wondering if you can give me some advice on how not to be scared. Well, I'd be scared too, I think. <laughs> First of all, I'm not uh, bucking Eucharistic ministers if they're necessary. 
the, that was supposed to, by Holy See, to be a necessary thing. Like you got 5,000 people going to communion and nobody there but the priest. There's so many reasons why you can have Eucharistic ministers. I feel in my heart, you've asked me the question, so I'm going to tell you something. I feel Eucharistic ministers should be dressed properly. They should have something on that makes them look like Eucharistic ministers. Not come on with big tennis shoes that are three sizes too big. <laughs> Not come on with blue jeans and some kind of shirt that God knows what, where you got it. Maybe Goodwill or something. Which is fine if that's all you have. But you're handling the Eucharist. I don't know your situation, and I suppose it's kind of unfair to tell you this, but it's been on my heart a long time. Women come in, Eucharistic ministers with short dresses, low-cut blouses. What are we doing, huh? Do we know who we handle? If a Eucharistic minister is necessary, then make them look like a Eucharistic minister. Put a, a, a gown on them. Make them look proper. Make them look holy. Make them look like they know that they're handling the body, the blood, the divinity, the soul of Jesus, Son of God. And... and I don't find fault with Eucharistic ministers when they're necessary. Some priests don't have the, the, the time, I guess, or whatever it is. But you have to have a Eucharistic minister. I think you would feel better if you looked like a Eucharistic minister. And I, I, I'm probably going to make a lot of people mad tonight. <laughs> seems to be my uh, special talent. <laughs> but I, ha I think you have to agree. When, when I see somebody walking up there with tennis shoes that look five sizes too big and, and pants that, that look like you slept in them a week and, and a sloppy blouse on, and I lose it. I lose it. Minister's fine. If the Holy See says it's okay, it's okay with me. But I want to ask all of you priests out there, make them look like you really believe in the real presence. You, you, you put gowns on singers. Why do they need a gown? I put gowns on our singers in the morning. I think they look, they look like a choir. Shouldn't look like they just woke up. <laughs> they should look like a choir. Things should look the way they're supposed to look. If you all came in here tonight with bathing suits on, I'd say, what's wrong with you? <laughs> this is not a place for bathing suits. It's not the shore. You see, if we got to look at what we are. And so I, I'm all, I think if you can afford a very look, really spiffy-looking choir gown, and nobody ever sees the choir anymore, they're way up here, 
you hear them singing about they got these $200 gowns on. Well, goodness gracious, take them out. Give them to the Eucharistic ministers. <laughs> That's what I think about. So sweetheart, I got 30 seconds and I don't think I answered your question. But I think you got the right idea. You know who you're going to give. And I bless you for that. And moving ahead, another caller asked about when it comes to charismatic gifts, look for humility. At least that's mother's take on this. Mm -hmm. And it's very interesting because uh, that was a big part of her life at one time. Yes, yeah, it was. She was going to different conferences and so on. And she was always pointing to the sacraments, right? That that's where we especially encounter the Lord. It's not in these experiences that we may have. And often they're genuine. And, you know, many beautiful things have happened through the charismatic renewal and so on. But I couldn't help but think of St. Andre Bassett. So here's a man who has this tremendous gift of healing, like a thousands perhaps, mm -hmm. hundreds definitely, were healed through his prayers. And when they would say, thanks for healing me, you know, Andre, he would say, it wasn't me. He would get upset. Mm -hmm. You know, it was a good God. It was St. Joseph's intercession. So they're pointing beyond themselves, not to themselves. Right, and I think that's the point Mother makes about humility. And mm -hmm. we see that with whether they're, we have seers or people who report apparitions, a lot of it is to know them by their fruit. A lot of it is to see how humble is that mm -hmm. person. You know, are they taking it on themselves? Mother has this great story. She she tells it about listening to a couple of people. Of, well, I'm this kind of healer, and this I'm this kind of healer, and you're kind of going, what's mm -hmm. going on here? Right, and sometimes people who have these gifts, like Sister Breeze, that we we love her, had her <laughs> on the network many times. She's called to bear witness to these things. But it's always to po point beyond herself, right, and point to the Lord who is the genuine healer. I always, uh, I, I one time talked about the fact w when my wife wasn't feeling well, Mother offered to pray over her, mm -hmm. and we were like, oh, okay, and Mother said, I don't know if it's going to do any good, but, <laughs> but I'll do it. So I thought that was perfect. Mm -hmm. Let's see what she has to say. When it comes to charismatic gifts, look for humility. We have another call. Hello? Mother. Yeah. Mother. Pa Gary from Pennsylvania. Wonderful. God bless you. Uh, I uh, have recently just came back to the church. You what? I have recently just come back into the church. Good. I was born and raised a Catholic, but I kind of got sidetracked. That's okay. And God brought me down and humbled me, and now I'm a very fervent member of the church. But my question is, since I've come back and heard everything, I don't understand this talking in tongues. Is, is it really true? Does it really happen? Uh, that's my question, Mother. Well, that's a good question. Again, I think some of it, a few of it may be true, and I, some, some of it is not. St. Paul says in the epistle, if you speak in tongues and nobody knows what you're saying, and nobody can interpret, shut up. He didn't say shut up, but he... <laughs> What he meant was, if nobody can interpret what you're saying, then keep it to yourself. It's very difficult to know what is authentic and what is not authentic. I think a good rule of thumb is the humility 
of the one who has charismatic gifts. I went somewhere one time and I heard some people talking. And this is not a general case, but it, it, it taught me something. This one woman said, I'm a healer, what are you? She said, I heal too. I said, oh. That I heal livers. She said, what do you heal? She said, I heal sinuses. I felt like I was an outside of an x-ray department. <laughs> waiting for the next patient, you know? I had a lot of x-rays when I was a young sister, and I heard the girl said, two gallbladders and a kidney out here. And I thought... <laughs> They talk about people like they do their organs. You know, got two kidneys and a gallbladder out here. And you got to be very careful, extremely careful about charisms. If there's not humility, I have to, myself, speaking myself, my opinion is I have a hard time acknowledging a gift if it does not bear the sign of the spirit, which is humility of heart. People should go to the healer and say, I'm healed. Not the healer go to the person and say, you're healed. If you don't know it, don't me tell you that. I'm not going to tell you that. We have to be very careful. And I'm not downgrading charismatic at all. What am I trying to say? Look. Observe. Be careful. Go to the Eucharist and go to Mary. Be careful of people who can do great things, great miracles, and not have humility. To me, I stick with Jesus and the Eucharist and Our Lady. Those are the two pillars that hold up the church. Thank God for other people's gifts even if you don't have them. We cannot judge whether they're good or bad or false or real, but we can judge by their humility and their virtue level. There's more Mother Angelica answering the call on EWTN Radio. Let's return to Mother Angelica answering the call with Father Joseph and Doug Keck on EWTN Radio. And thank you so much for staying with us as we continue on with part two of Mother Angelica answering the call. Doug Keck in studio along with our own father, Joseph Mary Wolf, who is, of course, our chaplain here at EWTN. Up next, there is no holy quartet. Mm-hmm. So every Mass... We as priests say, by the mystery of this water and wine, we come to share in the divinity of Christ, who humbled himself to share in our humanity. So it's not to become equal, (laughs) right, with the three persons of the Blessed Trinity, but to share in divinity by grace, by his gift. And so it's by grace that we are sons in the Son, but Jesus is by nature Mm -hmm. the Son. And so we could never say that Mary is, you know, part of the Holy Quartet. No, that would never 
that would never fly theologically or otherwise. Absolutely. And I think Mother makes a great point about in, in, in her response about Mary cannot and doesn't want to and will never be God. Mm-hmm. And, and just that whole idea, she would be too humble. Right. And to ever even uh, strike to want to mm-hmm. be like that. Right. So she definitely shares in a very unique and profound way in, as I said, the grace of God. She is full of grace, and there's no hindrance to God's grace in her. But she is a creature, our nature's solitary boast, as the poet put it, and how beautifully that, that states the truth. Right, and in some ways, I mean, to, to that, here is, here is the greatest human being in that way of all time, a, a created creature mm-hmm. who's a woman. Right. And the, and the most revered inside the church. Mm-hmm. So she shows, shows the dignity of women. Just like you can think, who's the only woman to ever start a cable network? Uh, Mother Angelica. That's <laughs> so, right. So she's got, uh, you know. And she wasn't in a quartet either, but well, let's see what she has to say. We have another call. Hello? Hello. And what is your question? My question is, I'm looking at a magazine that has an article about the meaning of Mary, mm-hmm. and I'm a little confused because in one part of the article it says, in place of the Holy Trinity, there what, would be... What? Hold on. What did it say? It says, um, in place of the Holy Trinity, there would be a kind of holy quartet, saying oh, that that's... Mary would be part of the Holy Trinity. And I'm a little confused with that because it's like they're putting Mary to be equal to God. And I, w- I wanted to see if you could shed some light on that for me. I am happy to shed light on that. <laughs> Nobody can become God. Nobody. God is God. He always was, is, and will be. There was no time. There was not God. Mary cannot doesn't want to, and will never be God. What do you mean, quartet? (laughs) Nobody. There's only one God and one, three persons and one God. There cannot be. They can, and not even God can make Mary God. Why? Because she's a creature. There was a time she was not. But she was in the mind of God like you and I are in the mind of God before time began. Spick quartet. They deny, people who say that deny our dear mother, and we deny the Lord the honor and the glory of his greatest creature. She's a creature, but the very highest, the very highest creature. She is the one most filled, full of grace, the angel said. Of course, the, those who want inclusive language say, hail, oh, favorite one, oh, favorite one. We're all favorite if we're born. <laughs> if you've been born and you're, you are sitting there, you're favorite. God is God, and there is no other God. But Mary is his most wonderful creature. So when I say that she has these, these kind of prerogatives, I am giving honor to God. 
You know, if I, when I go to Rome and I say the Pietà, the Sistine Chapel, is it wrong to say Michelangelo did it? Is it wrong to give him credit? I mean, they lumped my little cherub up there, got it, and they painted all that. No, with Michelangelo painted it. Where did he get his talent? From God. Mary would have nothing if it were not for our dear Lord. What we deny is that our dear Lord could create such a creature. That's what we're denying. We don't want to give honor and glory to God, to one so holy, a mere creature so holy, pure enough to be a tabernacle of the Son of God, the eternal Word, filled with grace. Where is grace? What does grace mean? Grace means God, filled with God. Well, I wish I got that one first. <laughs> but, sweetheart, you should be horror-struck at such a dumb statement. But I don't think we should not defined that beautiful dogma because of a few people who don't like it. The church is not a democracy. It's not a voting booth. It's the herald of truth, the deposit of faith. And we must say what God has created, whether we like it or not. And closing out this week's program, a call having to do with the church's approval of apparitions. Now, mm -hmm. this is always a tough one. And, and back in the day, of course, Medjugorje was a mm -hmm. popular topic. Right. So the church takes her time. She's not hasty about these things, nor should she be, because things have to be proven through time. And so Mother is, makes a very important point. And this was a danger in this time when she's talking, this is 1995, that people were running here and there because there's this visionary or this, this going on. And she says, don't, don't run after these apparitions. And I thought of Father Robert Pharisee, who is a friend of ours, and he was in the Navy, and he ends up going to Portugal, and he just stops in Fatima, and he has this experience that changes him. He eventually begins studying for the priesthood, becomes a priest. That's an authenticity, right? You're not running after these things, but you do encounter the Lord at these places of approved apparitions. Yes, I remember him. I remember yeah. watching him on the shows mm -hmm. uh, in the early days there. And, and again, that whole idea, like you said, the church takes its time because it doesn't want to endorse something that turns out not to be true. Exactly. So that's why we trust the church, because she's not hasty in these judgments, but she has to see that these things are proven through time. They're tested. And even the approved miracles of Lourdes, they're tested. Absolutely. The church's approval process for apparitions takes a while. Here's Mother Angelica. We have another call. Hello? Hello. Hi, where are you from? Uh, Staten Island, New York. What is your question? Okay. This summer I've done some interesting reading uh, regarding Marian apparitions. Mm -hmm. And my question is, what does the church go through to approve certain apparitions, and why would they discard others? Well... It's very difficult for the church to to approve apparitions. What they really approve is the is the saintliness of the person who had the apparitions, and that's long after their death. And the church waits a long time to approve apparitions. They approve Fatima. They have approved La Salette, Bahrain, 
are some of the newer apparitions. They're not not approved, but they can't be approved. First of all, the seers, the lives of the seers, the virtues of the seers, is it heroic virtue? Is there good fruit? That's what the church judges. Teresa of Avila, Catherine of Siena, Julia of Norwich, Angela Fellinio, all of these great mystics were not canonized because of their visions. They were canonized because of their high heroic virtue level. The visions then are determined to be true or not true, not by the fact that they had them or how they had them. Are they theologically correct? If they're not, then they just dismiss them totally. So I would number one in today's world, go by the fruit of that seer and the fruits of these apparitions. Be careful, though. Be careful you don't run ap after apparitions that you're not sure about when you have Jesus and the Blessed Sacrament in your own chapels and your own churches and you never even stop in there and say hello. I have a hard time with that. I think we need to watch. The Lord said when the final day comes, they will say, there he is, and there he is, and there he is. Don't believe him. If Our Lady is appearing everywhere, and I think she is, because I think we live in an awesome time of evil, a time when the Luciferian sin is everywhere. And that sin is, I will not obey. I will not serve. You find it in the world, in the church, everywhere. Well, I think our dear Lord and Our Lady have to do some of these things to try to get to all of us at where we're going and why are we going so fast the wrong way? I would allow apparitions that you hear only to increase your faith and awareness of the necessity of prayer in this world today. For more about Mother Angelica and to listen to her shows, go to EWTN.com. See you next time on Mother Angelica, answering the call only on EWTN Radio.